Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We've been talking about the essential marks of the church. What are those things, those essential characteristics that distinguish it from all other societies such that if the church were to lose them, they would cease being a church? It is said that there are three essential marks of the church, Phil. You started talking about this yesterday. The word of God purely preached is the first one. The right administration of the sacraments or the ordinances is the second one. And then the practice of church discipline is the third. But, oh, there's such a difference between those three marks. Not all doctrines are equal. Let me just use an example of that right away. And we know that the doctrine of the end times is not the same type of thing as the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. And to to emphasize the doctrine of the end times over the doctrine of God would be a big problem in, in the local church, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, now Bannerman, uh, James Bannerman, a uh, Scottish Presbyterian in the 19th century, wrote a great book called The Church of Christ. And he says this regarding this idea that not all doctrines are equal. So he says, quote, there's an important distinction between what is necessary to the being of a church and what is necessary to its well-being, between the things for which the church was instituted and the things that have been instituted for the church. So the scripture tells us that the church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. That's why the church was instituted, to declare the truth of Jesus Christ. Therefore, this declaration of the truth is paramount to even the church itself. So how would you, I'm, I'm hoping you guys disagree with this so that I can argue with you because I like arguing, but um, how, would, how would you respond? No, I don't. I don't really like arguing. How would you guys respond to that? When you, you look at the church, their primary task is the preaching of God's word. And the, that preaching is supposed to be for the building up of the saints. It's preparing the saints for ministry. It's, it's mm-hmm. to be used for transforming them into the image of Jesus Christ more and more. But it's not alone. It's part of a body. Um, and so what happens is that preached word continues to feed the soul. But sometimes God has graciously, not sometimes, God has graciously also provided the sacraments to also reinforce the message that the Word teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin would say it's because of our weakness that God has graciously given us the sacraments so that they're more accessible, if you will, um, that it gives another look to the gospel so that it's mm-hmm. more, um, and if you will, tangible, um, that you can see the bread and 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 smell the wine and and you can see in the the baptismal water and and it puts the gospel on display. So he's he's in essence stooping to our weakness to reinforce the truths of God's word. 
But at the same time, because this is all in the context of the family of God, of the body of Christ, we're sinful human beings. And, and unfortunately, until we die, we will remain sinful human beings. And so that's why he's graciously given us church discipline to say, okay, I'm going to continue to hedge you in by the word. But sometimes when you go outside of the word, the church needs to lovingly bring you back and try to restore and draw you away from the error of living outside of the word. And the idea of church discipline is to bring you back underneath the word in all aspects, its authority, um, not just its teaching. Um, so it's all word-centered, um, but it just kind of trickles down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And <clears throat> in fact, um, I've, I've often thought that the, the I've often thought that the three uh, traditional marks of the church are incomplete. Uh, you know the, pre- the faithful preaching of the word, right administration of the sacraments, and biblical application of church discipline—all of those, yes, essential marks. Um, the the one I've always thought was missing uh, was love. Jesus said, "By this, all people will come to know that you are my disciples, that you love one another." Um, uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote a wonderful little book called "The Mark of the Christian." that love is the mark that sets us apart. But it, it occurs to me, even as I say that, and, and, you know, well, several things occur to me. Number one, who am I to argue with the reformers that they were incomplete? Um, but secondly, the failure to exercise godly and loving discipline is an indicator of a lack of love in the church. That if we, if we, if we are unwilling to exercise the kind of biblical discipline that Jesus describes in Matthew 18, if we're unwilling to do that with one another. And he also, Jesus also talked about it in, in the Sermon on the Mount, where when he said, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, uh, make sure you take the log out of your own, and then you will see clearly mm-hmm. to remove the speck in your brother's eye. I think Jesus was talking there. We can unpack this more. But I think Jesus was talking there about church discipline. Yeah. So I, I guess um, you guys just, totally go whatever direction you guys yeah, want yeah, to I do. go all the time yeah <laughs> so all i'm trying to point out like that verse that jesus said about the sabbath you know um the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath what was the church made for the church was made for the proclamation of the word of god to be a pillar in the buttress of truth right so in those three marks the preaching of the word the right use of sacraments the the practice of church discipline we have to say that the church was made for uh, the witness of the truth of the gospel. But those other two marks, the the use of the sacraments and the practice of church discipline, the church wasn't made to do those things. The, those things were made for the health of the church, is all mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Right. And, and I think being able to distinguish doctrines like that, to say that this doctrine is essential to the being of the church itself, whereas this doctrine is essential to the well-being of the church, that's a big difference. Because I think yes. when people are looking for churches, they start saying, well, you know, they don't got this thing down very well, but they got this thing down. And since they're not making that distinction, then they're actually focusing on things that are very small. Mm-hmm. It's Oftentimes within the, the life of a church, people will come in and, and sit in a church and say, I absolutely love the preaching and teaching of the word. Um, it's so good. It, it's good for my soul. But 
I don't feel like your church has a great youth ministry, or I don't think you guys are very good at fellowship. I don't think you guys are great at um, programs for the poor. I don't think you guys are very good at, and they have this other list of things that they they don't really appreciate. Um, and it just makes me pause and say, wait, what, what's it? What's your essential characteristic of, of of the church? What what's absolutely essential for the church to be and, the church? And that's what I, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And so if you if your critique of the church is they're they're great at preaching and teaching, however, I want something more for my kids. I just pause for a moment and think about what you're what you're saying. I mean, what would be more important than than the pure preaching of the word? Yeah. And I, I think it, it should just make us stop a little bit and reflect on, oh, wait, what, what, what's my criteria? Well, I think this, I think put yourself in a third, we were talking about this off the air, put yourself in a third world country where persecution is rampant. Mm-hmm. What would you be looking for in a church? <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't yeah. have the fog machine with the drums and they don't have the pizza party with the youth group. Mm-hmm. No, you're looking for something to give you life to exist for the next six days. Yes. That's what you're looking for. Yes. And if the way that we do church can't be sustained in a persecuted country like that, then we're probably not doing church right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how critical this idea of preaching the word is. So um, Bannerman continues in his quote. He says, these things, i.e. Um, the sacraments and the practice of church discipline, were instituted for the sake of the church and not the church for the sake of them. Therefore, these things must be in their nature and importance subordinate to the church. But the church is subordinate to the preaching of the word. So brothers, how does that help us think about, and I know we've kind of been touching on this already, how does this help us think about the different doctrines and practices of the church? How does this help people who are looking for a church to attend? I, I think it, it really boils down to how strongly do we believe in the power of the Word of God? If we believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives, then what we can say is, if a church has the pure preaching of the Word of God, then it should have a transformational effect on those that are underneath of its preaching and teaching. Uh-huh. And so then we can say, okay, I believe that the uh, the church that I'm looking at is weak in the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Therefore, you're going to see less transform transformation of people's lives because it's the power of the Word and Spirit that brings about transformation. So it doesn't matter if they have a great, quote-unquote, youth program or they have great, quote, worship, meaning that they have whatever else. If they don't have great preaching and teaching, I think you're going to find that, that, that the church is, is, is handicapped if you will. Um, but if you have good preaching and teaching, what you should also see is that fellowship should get better over time because the word is transforming people's yes. hearts and lives. That, and, and so I, I think it just should change our mindset of what's vitally important, especially for our children when we're looking for a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the questions I have when, I, when I'm thinking about preparation is, um, will this message, can this message comfort Christians in North Korea? Can this message comfort uh, Christians in Somalia or in the underground church in China? And if my answer is no to that, then I need to go back and, and look at really what mm-hmm. I'm preaching. Yeah, yeah. It's um, We haven't really talked about this, but I, I think really we, we still are suffering from the, the lasting effects of the Enlightenment. 
and it, it wasn't just a time period in history. It was a time period that radically changed the, the thought process of Western society. And all of us by nature are inwardly focused. Up until the Enlightenment, there were societal things in place that curbed that individualism. What happened during the Enlightenment was all of those curbs on individualism were thrown out the window, and instead the Enlightenment gave full throttle to an individualistic mindset. That radically changed not just society, it changed the church. And the church ceased to be um, have a corporate mindset because of this societal societal force that said no individualism is not just okay it's great it's really a good thing yep and so what happened is all of these restraints were removed societal restraints and now you have people buying into this idea that i am the center of all things and that came into the church and mm-hmm. so now the church is combating the individual of our human heart as society is reinforcing the individual of our of individualism of our human heart. And so it's really hard to say, no, the word is central because the word <laughs> by its very nature confronts the individualism of my heart. And so it, it, we don't want the word to be central, at least subconsciously, because that's what offends us. And it's not just individualism; it's actually consumerism. Mm-hmm. And and you know, God forbid that as pastors and leaders of a church that we're actually encouraging that type of consumerism because that's actually right. leading people right. away mm-hmm. from what God's plan is for His people. Right. Yeah. And if you look for what's entertaining, um, as opposed to to actually being fed uh, on the meat of of the Word of God. Um, Eventually, you know, eventually there's going to be better entertainments in the world. Yeah. We cannot compete with the world on the level of entertainment. And particularly parents, if you're looking for a, you know, oh, I, I, need a, I need a place to worship where my kids are going to be, you know, just really, they're going to love it because it's so entertaining and so engaging. The world, believe me, the world can outdo any fog machine that the church comes up with. The world can actually outdo everything that we do except for the proclamation of the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the gospel for life. We will see you next time. 